I can bring you in warm, or I can bring you in cold. This is where the fun begins. Hello there. Hello, and welcome to Jedi Knights, the official Star Wars podcast for Joy Clicks. Uh, welcome to episode number 90. I'm Mike Connors. Um, as always, I'm here with uh, my co-host, Christian Buckley. How are you today, my man? I'm good, Mike. Uh, I realize, again, we we really bolstered these numbers and we did that Mandalorian two episodes a week for a, a little bit, but we're, yeah. we're going to hit episode 100 this year, which is very cool. I mean, yeah, we may have bolstered the numbers in, in the sense that like we released what like was it two a week during that point or whatever um yeah but i mean you know we still did 90 episodes yeah so i think that's that's definitely an accomplishment to be proud of oh hell yeah i i think uh, it's so, the longest running show i've produced so well i mean you know here's to another 100 episodes oh, hell christian yeah. we gotta do something we gotta do something big for the 100th episode it mm-hmm. seems like just yesterday we were like figuring out what to do for episode number 66 but here we are i know it's exciting um anyways how are you my man uh what you been up to i'm good um been spending some time working on the resume past couple weeks so i've allowed myself a bit more time to relax so i've dipped back into destiny in my downtime which one of the best games ever made big big fan of destiny 2 um in terms of star wars uh nothing much honestly outside of bad batch but i'm hungry i'm ready for more i'm looking forward to this holiday season but what about you what's been up on your star wars plate honestly not much star wars stuff uh you said that you're working on your resume for me yeah it's been pretty busy with work and stuff but um, i'm hoping that you know within the next few weeks i can kind of like get back into um, honestly, I want to pick up Battlefront again. I want to play some more Battlefront. Um, just have it in a while. Um, but yeah, are you putting putting your uh, your video portfolio together, Christian? Yeah, Got some good clips in there. Yeah, doing my best to try and make a a reel out of multiple episodes of ninety plus episodes of all these other shows that are multiple hours long. <laughs> trying my best to cut together a reel. <laughs> yeah, you certainly have a lot of content to yeah. put it real together. Mm-hmm um well anyways man we we got some really interesting star wars news to talk about today um it's pretty heavy on the rumor side of the force um we were talking before the pod just a bit about some of the things that have been floating around star wars uh ether here um but i think first we should start off with how we always start off that the podcast uh the segment from the jedi archives where christian and i both choose a wikipedia article to bring to the table and educate ourselves and you the listeners on a piece of star wars lore whether that be canon or otherwise so christian what did you choose uh for this episode of jedi knights sure i chose colto 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 with a k i chose colto um i don't know what that is colt oh you will in a moment colto (laughs) was a medical substance in use during the time of the high republic era during a skirmish on the Amexine station against Nile Marauders, the Jedi Wayseeker Orla Jarani shut emergency doors to prevent the Nile from reaching her and fellow Jedi Comac Vitus. Vitus began coughing, having inhaled dust particles as a result of the long dormant doors closing, but stated that the issue would be easily fixed by a culto rinse. 
Um, I did not know it was at play in the High Republic because my familiarity with it is Manan. The 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 fish race are mining Colto on this planet, and they are this neutral presence in the war between the Sith Empire and the Republic. So that's that's what the the people on Manan were were making or or mining. I totally forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> definitely coming back to me though. Um, interesting that it's making another uh, you know appearance in the High Republic. Um, was does it say like? Uh, which High Republic installment that come from? Uh, Colto was canonically, canonically, excuse me, mentioned in the 2021 young adult novel The High Republic Into the Dark, which we both own, written by Claudia Gray. In the Legends continuity, Colto originated in KOTOR. Very cool. I have yet to read Into the Dark, actually. Same. I started uh, it, I was really heart. into it, but I didn't finish it. We should, uh, yeah, at some point, I feel like we should decide to, to read it, but uh, that's a story for another time, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, well, I know that, like, um, I think it was, what, last month, Rising Storm came out, too? I just yeah. kind of missed that. Um, but we have, some, we have some, or at least I have some higher public work to do in terms of uh, really gaining all the canon stuff. Um, hopefully sometime this fall I can get into that. Um, but that was, a great, that was a great pick. Thank you. Sure. What did you pick? Good stuff. Uh, so I picked Fortress Vader, uh, you know, also known as Darth Vader's castle. Um, so this is—I think it was first put uh, on screen in Rogue One, where director Krennic comes and visits Vader on the volcanic planet of Mustafar. Um, but we also see the creation of Darth Vader's castle in the Charles Soule Darth Vader comics. Where he, uh, where Darth Vader uses like a mask of like a former Sith like lord basically to create, <laughs> uh, to create his his fortress on Mustafar, and it takes him like seven times because he just wants to get the, uh, <laughs> he wants to get the feel just right. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if you remember that, or, um, but yeah. So it's very interesting stuff constructed on 12 BBY, and um, yeah, uh, I just always thought it looked really cool, and I also have. Um, my friends bought me for my birthday a Lego version of Darth Vader's castle, so I have that somewhere around here. Um, good stuff. That's very cool. I'm. I want to say in the Trevaro Duel of the Fates, I think also Kylo Ren goes to Vader's castle at some point at the opening of the film. The way he goes to Mustafar in the forests in the Rise of Skywalker uh-huh. opening, but yeah, I think in I think in that that canceled screenplay he goes to darth vader's castle on mustafar and like finds a holocron that was meant for darth vader i think so like yeah it was meant for darth vader created by emperor palpatine like just for darth vader's eyes only and kylo ren opens it and like gets like horribly disfigured because of like some explosion that happens he wasn't supposed to open the holocron that's that's what i remember from the the colin charvow uh screenplay uh very interesting stuff I always thought Fortress Vader looked really cool. Um, it's very menacing looking and very funny how they kind of put it in Rogue One, but didn't necessarily confirm that it was on Mustafar. Um, anyways, good stuff all around. Oh yeah. So I think we should move on from the uh, Jedi Archive stuff that we had brought to the table today to talk about some news. Um, I'm going to talk about the news first and then get into some of the rumors. Responsible. Um, but you know, this is. 
Very responsible, yeah. <laughs> uh, not to mess it up, you know, not to confuse the, the listeners here, but... Uh, so, the first thing that I saw, and this actually broke last Tuesday, I think after we recorded, as always, this always happens with Jedi Knights. Mm-hmm. Um, so, The Mandalorian scored big uh, with 24 Emmy nominations. Um, this is not super surprising. I think that they also did pretty well with the first season and their Emmy nominations. Um, so, they were um, obviously nominated for a lot of them. I'm not going to go through all of them, but uh, some highlights best drama series that's like one of the big ones um and then timothy oliphant and carl weathers uh were nominated for best guest actor in a drama series giancarlo esposito uh, as best supporting actor in a drama series um, and outstanding sound editing for comedy or drama series one hour um obviously like i said there are a lot more um very well deserved uh christian what do you think about this yeah i'm not surprised right because star wars typically is pushing tech when it comes or like for the most part throughout its entire history the the series it tries to be innovative with some new form of technology for filmmaking and mandalorian season one absolutely did that mando season two you assume based off of what they talk about refined that so mm-hmm. that makes sense for sure um I mean, I talked about this with Jack on Excelsior this week because uh, another Disney production, uh, WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier both got, I think, altogether like 28 or 29. It was like 23 for WandaVision and then five for Falcon. Um, nice. So, like, clearly Disney will throw up the marketing money to make a campaign for these award shows. So it makes sense. Um, Timothy Oliphant as get nominated as an actor for guest actor in a drama series like i guess like was there really nothing else yeah. on all of tv that was a bit more in depth than that like that was a cool cameo like appearance supporting role guest star but like i don't know yeah you know honestly i wasn't as like questioning of timothy oliphant as i was questioning of carl weathers like, I feel like Carl Weathers, like, his character, Grief Karga, just had a bigger role in the first season. Sure. Um, and so it's kind of like, I don't know, it kind of like raised my eyebrows when I saw this. And I was like, really? Like, Carl Weathers for guest actor? Honestly, I had written this in the show notes, but um, I was I was kind of hoping to see Bill Burr, maybe, like, get a guest actor for a drama series nomination. Because um, that one episode that he was in, I think it was episode six or episode seven, um, I, I I think was probably one of the more like standout pieces of acting in like Bill Burr's career that I've ever seen, and like you know just generally like very impressive. It's just like the you know his emotion through that episode. So like I don't know. I, I guess personally I would have rather seen like maybe Bill Burr get a nom instead of Carl Weathers. No, yeah, like when you first when I first saw that in the show notes, I was like, I mean, even Bill Burr, I don't even know. But like, then you just reminded me. Yeah. He had that thing where he was talking about, um, Inferno squad, right. Or like operation cinder. And yeah. like, that was really good. That was maybe like one of the highlight moments of that season in terms of like acting and motion. So like, yeah, that, that's interesting. Cause again, listen, I loved, uh, Cobb Vanth, right. Seeing him was super cool. And even grief cargo mm-hmm. loved both of their episodes, but like, 
in all of TV, like though, like TV's yeah. a huge platform, dude. Like, <laughs> it's like I think in the know, same category. I... Sorry, uh, same category. I think um, Don Cheadle was nominated for Falcon the Winter Soldier, and he was in that episode for like two minutes. And he like he responded to this. He's like, I didn't know this was coming. Don't ask me about it. I don't know why, but thank you. Like, it's just yeah. Got money for the campaigns. That's what I was about to say. Like, do you think it just kind of ends up being the fact that like Disney just has like a like a shit ton of money to throw at this, right? Like, they can basically win and buy influence when it comes to like these award shows just by, I don't know, like like you said, just spending money on the campaigns. Because I, I didn't even know Don Cheadle was was nominated for a guest actor in a drama series, and I love Don Cheadle, but like. I don't necessarily. I don't think he really like because I saw Winter uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and you're right. Like he was only in there for literally less than two minutes. Like I don't. I don't think he deserves a nom like that just because like his role was almost non-existent. You know. Yeah. Like, so do you think it just comes down to the fact they just have all this money to throw at it? I mean, I can't speak to the Emmys because I never read into the Emmys at all. But that's how the Oscars work. Like, if your studio, if your uh, production company i guess doesn't have the funds to make for your consideration and like send out all these copies of things to the people voting on these things if they don't have money to throw your way for that odds are you're, you're going to get overshadowed by a company that does have money so that is a side yeah. to the award shows and i imagine it works for the emmys the same it does for the oscars but i i not to discredit what mando season two does well though because i think there are some really impressive things that are worthy of nominations like there's plenty of episodes i think that were highlights like the ahsoka episode the way they shot like with the forest and the cinematography there was impressive for this type of series so like definitely there's stuff that's warranted on this um nomination list it's just interesting yeah for sure i mean like outstanding sound editing like that's one that i could easily see go to the mandalorian and like Honestly, like even the ones that I meant, the one that I mentioned earlier, John Carlo Esposito for best mm-hmm. supporting actor. Like I thought you did a great job. Like sure. you know that's that's a well deserved. Uh, those are well deserved noms. Um, I guess yeah. When you start to see like oh Disney has like you know fifty Emmy nominations <laughs> combined throughout all of their stuff. Like, Maybe more even because this is of... just between their two like live action Disney Plus shows. There could be other stuff that's been nominated too. Like Clone Wars, I think got nominated for stuff, right? Or that's daytime Emmys, but. Uh, yeah i think so but you know still like it's just ridiculous like that they can just rack in that many nominations because yeah like winning the winning an emmy is one thing but like you know being nominated is also a pretty big deal so like they have the opportunity to go now on their social media accounts and you know they're you know send out press releases and stuff like that to build more hype around their brand like being like hey like look at this we took home 50 emmy nominations (laughs) sure (laughs) yeah um but you know that's just the way it is it's the society that we live in and uh honestly like he said i think mando um and i'm sure wandavision falcon they you know there are some emmy nominations and probably most of them are are well deserved so good stuff with mando hopefully they bring some home because they deserve it definitely um so speaking of mandalorian actually so um everybody was talking about the big season two finale um spoiler alert if you haven't seen it yet you probably should just go watch it but uh luke skywalker shows up 
big time. Um, and Disney every so often releases on Disney Plus uh, what they call Disney Gallery, um, and basically it's you know behind the scenes stuff. I'm sure we've talked about it on this podcast before. Um, <clears throat> so they've announced that on August 24th, uh, a new Disney Gallery is going to drop, um, and it's all about the making of the season two finale of The Mandalorian. Um, I'm sorry, August 25th. Uh, so yeah, basically it's just going to chronicle the making of. Um, I'm sure it's going to dive deep into how you know they got Luke Skywalker to be such a secret um, for so long. Because for those who don't remember, that was not even leaked at all. It was a complete surprise. Uh, so I'm sure they're going to talk about you know talk with Mark Hamill or something like that about uh, doing a faithful por- portrayal of the character. Um, it should be really interesting. Um, because I think overall, this is the big, one of the big climaxes of the Mandalorian, and so seeing that from a behind-the-scenes perspective should be pretty cool. Yeah, I'm excited to watch this. I haven't watched all of the Disney galleries for stuff that I even like, I'm into, but um, I don't I don't think I watched the original one for Mandalorian. That was like the multiple episodes. I saw the highlights of like the clip of Filoni talking about Phantom Menace and stuff like that. Um, I, I did like how Mando season two did their gallery thing. And it was a single standalone thing for the entire season. Cause I remember talking to you about that and I was like, I'm really surprised they didn't talk about the Luke thing at all in this production. Like, which in hindsight, I guess makes sense because they were probably getting that Disney gallery ready while Mando season two was going on. And if they were talking about Luke in that Disney gallery, there would have been another Avenue where it could have leaked. So it makes sense to split it up this way. I think that's, that's basically what I thought too, you know, like the more people that they have working on these sorts of things, like the more opportunities they have for stuff to leak. Yeah. And if they were going to talk about Luke in the first Disney gallery that they put for season two, um, yeah, it just would have had a greater opportunity to get out there before the episode dropped. But interesting that they're kind of circling back and going back to this and sort of uncovering what it was like behind the scenes, because I think a lot of fans are really interested in that. Um, basically, for the reason, like I said, uh, Luke Skywalker was just a complete surprise. Um, it was not leaked at all. Right. Um, and it's pretty hard to do that in today's day and age. Um, like, you know, people, things leak all the time. Um, so it should be interesting to see sort of like, you know, how they were, how they managed to do that, um, on some level. And also just, you know, uh, thinking about the first season of Disney gallery for the Mandalorian, I'm wondering, do you think that they, they must've realized that no one was watching, you know, like the five episodes that they put out (laughs) for the first season. So they must've been like, yeah, we just got to do one, uh, to hold people's attention. (laughs) Do you think that's what happened? I think so, because, like, since then, they've also released Assembled for the MCU shows, and those are single-episode, hour-ish long documentaries encompassing the whole season. Obviously, it doesn't get as in-depth as you could have with the roundtable thing for Mando Season 1, but I do think having that contained, tight, documentary-style thing to go over the exciting stuff of the season or the most talked about aspects of it is a probably a smart choice and now again in hindsight the fact that luke wasn't in there makes sense because of the reasons we're talking about but i am excited to watch this i think mark hamill was talking about it again recently 
um, on his Twitter or Instagram, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, definitely excited to actually hear insight from Favreau, Filoni, Mark Hamill, other members of the cast, and like see what it was like for them to bring that to life. Because uh, you're right, it was a big moment. So exciting. Yeah. I have a question for you about Star Wars behind the scenes stuff. Sure. Um, when you were a kid, like, how often did you watch? Because, like, on on the DVDs for, like, the prequels and stuff, mm-hmm. there was, like, a special features section, and they had, like, a ton of featurettes, like, about the behind the scenes of, like, each movie. Um, do you remember those at all? Did you watch those? I wa- definitely, when I got the Blu-ray of 1 to 6, like, that, the book Blu-ray, I have that still, and yeah. there's, like, three discs, I think, of bonus features for the originals, the prequels, and then other ancillary stuff, but definitely I watched a lot of that, and when I was very young, I had a VHS tape of a special called Science Star Wars or something like that, and it went over a lot of the way they just made things work for the effects of the films in the original trilogy. So yeah, I've always loved learning about the behind the scenes for star Wars. Is Are there any like highlights for you off those prequel ones? I just remember when I was a kid, I had, I honestly forget what it was called, but it was like this like handheld video player. And I had like these, like, you know, like many DVDs. I forget what, what it even was, but it was basically like, behind the scenes and uh you know c-3po and r2d2 were like hosting it and they would like bring in like i don't know it's very interesting like bring in like facts about like you know the making of behind the scenes of the movies um and then also just like i remember popping in you know the dvds when when i was a kid and like just not watching the movies and just going straight to the special uh, special features Mm -hmm. and watching all the behind the scenes stuff just because uh, i always thought it was cool to have a like a a look uh, a lens into the making of and like george lucas's mind and stuff um yeah yeah very cool stuff Mm -hmm. yeah i've always i've always loved that for like any movie that i'm really into like i remember watching the special features for like parts of the caribbean and i think like spider-man the raimi movies like seeing how they did all Mm -hmm. those is really cool um one highlight I'll, i'll throw out from the special features for the prequels is when they were designing the clone trooper kit right like just everything about the clones um i think it was either lucas or somebody on the art team were like hey we need a gun how do we do the clone gun and they just they took the stormtrooper gun and like flipped it upside down and like added a longer barrel and it's the exact same thing so like super cool stuff so yeah it's cool like I, I, i have like this one thing of like you know i think it was the episode three behind the scenes and the art team like brought in a bunch of concepts for general grievous and it's basically just like george lucas at this big like uh like whiteboard just being like yeah i like that one i don't like that one i like that one i don't like that one mm-hmm. it's just cool to see like the creative process like you know unfold before your eyes for sure especially for something that we all love um definitely anyways so uh let's move on to some more tv news unless you have anything else to say about the gallery stuff christian um so yeah we can talk a little bit more about some tv news um moving from mandalorian something that has been released to something that has yet to be released uh, the obi-wan kenobi tv show uh so that's been filming for about three months now um and we've you know seen some things that have leaked out of there we've heard some rumors um but one of the people who is in one of the actors cast in the tv show 
His name is Sung Kang. Uh, he's starring in the now in theaters uh, F9. And so he was uh, announced to be in the show, but we're not really sure about what his role is until now. Um, but before getting into the rumors about what his role may be, he talked to Rotten Tomatoes, I think it was last week, and he just kind of described what the mood was on set. He said, quote, the feeling that I get on set is every single crew member, you look in their eyes and it's like a kid going, I grew up watching Star Wars, like this is my dream to be here. To see one of the Star Wars characters or Darth Vader character, or you know, one of the Jedi's walking around. So that's interesting. We get the confirmation that he's uh, at least, or it seems like we get a confirmation that he's at least like seen Darth Vader on set or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and interestingly enough, he says, you know, one of the Jedi's walking around. Um, so as we know that this is this takes place ten years after the Revenge of the Sith, ten years after or ten years after Order sixty six, um, and so having him uh, hearing him say that there are Jedi walking around definitely raises some eyebrows what do you think christian definitely um i've seen a lot of headlines from kenobi this past week in terms of rumors that i'm sure we are going to get into very soon yeah um just slightly jumping ahead no, no no details but knowing about those things to me also knowing about I the mean, rematch of the century right like it seems like we might be getting into a lot of fan service with this show and having multiple jedi even if it's just two right like i think makes sense i think you and i were almost expecting there to be another jedi that finds obi-wan and sort of has to bring him onto this adventure right so like that makes sense uh i really like him in the fast and furious series so i'm still excited that he's at play here but it's interesting that he's seen vader he's seen jedi so i i am seeing where you're going with this and i'm wondering what his role will be and how large it will be in the canon well i think it it might be worth to talk about the rumor that's specifically circling around sun kang um just to give this some context um so there's been heavy rumors, and I don't want to try to mix rumor between fact, uh, but I think it is worth talking about. Um, so there have been some rumors flying around, take it with a grain of salt, that Sun Kang is going to be playing the fifth brother, who we saw in Rebels. He's an Inquisitor um, created by the Empire to hunt down the remaining Jedi. Um, so that's the rumor. And with that in mind, it kind of makes a little bit of sense for him to say that he's seen the Darth Vader character um, or one of the Jedi. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, what do you think about that? We're gonna, and you know, we might see some big crossover from what we've already known about this period in terms of the Inquisitors and what we saw in Star Wars Rebels, um, kind of coming to life here on the big on the on TV if this rumor is true. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um, I've been expecting at least a, a inquisitor in this show i'm not super familiar with the fifth brother i didn't finish rebels right but like yeah i think having inquisitors involved in the kenobi show just to tie it all together would make sense um i mean we could go wild here it would be awesome if we got a cal Kestis appearance but like again i don't think that's <laughs> very likely 
Um, but I'm with you. I think if anything, if this show is going to get involved into the weeds of Star Wars, I would appreciate if it was bringing animated show video game canon into live action more than, hey, you know this guy, right? He's 20 miles away from Obi-Wan right now. We should check in on him, right? Like, I, I'd prefer if we skewed this way because it does make sense for Inquisitors to be hunting Obi-Wan more so, in my opinion, yeah. than for some reason R2-D2 to show up, right? Like, I think that's more likely. I don't know how you feel, though. No, totally. I mean, I don't... I also think it's interesting, like, we know that Order 66 happened, and we know that there are, you know, a fair amount of Jedi who lived through the initial, like, Order 66. And so, you know, just fleshing out, you know, the the Jedi purge and, like, its after effects and, you know, the Empire trying to sort of, like, clean up um, their loose, like, you know, tie up their loose ends. And, you know, I, I think that's that's an interesting, you know, way to sort of bring this period of Star Wars history to life. Um, I, I am really interested because uh, as this article notes that I got this from, we did see in May a video of Moses Ingram uh, doing some what appears to be like lightsaber training. Um, he's like in the video sort of like flinging around, you know, it looks like standard lightsaber training stuff. Um, so, I mean, maybe they're, maybe these Inquisitors are after Obi-Wan. Maybe they're after Obi-Wan and a cadre of Jedi that we have yet to meet. Um, either way, I think this is a really thrilling sort of like set piece, a really thrilling period to sort of put Obi-Wan in and a lot of interesting ways that this can go. So I'm super interested to see if there is going to be that element of like sort of the after effects and the remnants of Order 66, because I'm sure Obi-Wan is had a lot of time to think about it and it's mm -hmm. probably been pretty hard for him i would assume <laughs> yeah and I, I think that would also be in line with sort of the story you and i want to see out of his character in this show of like him being aware the inquisitors are hunting down remaining jedi and then what like should i do something about this like i'm i'm watching over this kid i don't feel right abandoning him but also I know I could be of assistance to these Jedi who are being hunted, you know, like, I think that's a really interesting struggle for him to explore that would also bring up his guilt of Anakin and the prequels, which you and I really want to see explored in the show. So that I'm still hoping is the main driving force behind his character arc in, in the series. Uh, but it sounds like we might be getting some greatest hits level of fanfare for this series i guess <laughs> i guess so i mean um I, I think that that was communicated pretty clearly when they said darth vader was going to show up <laughs> yeah i was like all right yeah this is going to be a little fan servicey but that's okay um i'm all for it as long as they can tell a compelling story which i'm sure they can the character is ripe for it definitely and all of this stuff makes me feel that for sure everything we talked about so far is absolutely like yeah this is interesting it makes sense in the world and we can flesh this out and we can tell an interesting story here for sure i think oh my god yeah what's holding me up is more of the other rumors i think yeah i mean that's a, that's the thing like i like it, i feel like it would be hard to not make a compelling story during this time just because like just that the ingredients are just right you know like it's the perfect like it's all perfect 
Um, and so I'm not really worried about that. I'm just worried about like, I'm not worried about really anything. I'm just interested and curious about the direction they're going to take it. Um, but at least for one, um, it does seem as though the mood on the set is pretty jubial. I don't even know if that's a word. You know what I mean? No, it Joyous. Is, it is. Um, <laughs> and um, one interesting quote that I just thought was kind of kind of cool, um, kind of cute that uh, uh, Sun Kang said to Rotten Tomatoes. He said, "I used to dress up in these Halloween costumes. Like I had a Darth Vader one and a Luke Skywalker one. It was all put together with like duct tape after a while." And the fact that I'm actually on set and they're putting a Star Wars costume on me, come on, dude. It's like pinch yourself, right? <laughs> and that's pretty sick. I, I would I would absolutely have the same sort of feeling um, if they were strapping on some sort of Jedi robe to me or whatever. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's awesome. Um, so why don't we, I think this is the perfect way to sort of transition to the, some of the rumors in the Force uh, we did uh, touch upon one of them. The first one that I have here is that Sung Kang is rumored to play the fifth brother in the Obi-Wan series. But we do have some more Obi-Wan rumors. Um, I'm going to start with the, 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 what I think is the least, the, 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 the lightest hitter here. Um, so there's a rumor that C-3PO and R2-D2 are, are going to make an, an appearance in this uh, TV show. That comes from LRM Online. I'm not familiar with them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this almost makes sense. Uh, you know, R2-D2 clearly has an idea of who Obi-Wan is. He didn't get his mind wiped at the end of Revenge of the Sith like C-3PO did. Um, so I'm not sure where they are in this time. I would assume that maybe they're on Alderaan with Bail Organa because we do see them on the Tantive V4 in the beginning of A New Hope. So they're working with the Organas, or at least Leia. Um, so interesting stuff. I'm always down to see C-3PO and R2-D2. Um, it's almost like what is, is it Star Wars without them? Yes, but <laughs> you know, it definitely makes it a little bit better. <laughs> definitely. And I honestly, out of everything, I feel like that one is the most believable because mm-hmm. like they got thrown in Rogue One. I don't think they were in Solo, but they've been in every other movie, right? Like, if it's a if it's yeah. about Obi Wan and it's this era, I think it makes sense, especially because of what you said being tied to the Organas and what this other rumor is would make sense if yeah. if she is involved. I imagine three PO and R two would be involved in at least a scene. I'm not saying they're on for the ride, but like I believe that they're in the show. Yeah, I, I would be surprised if they weren't in it for at least you know. a a bit like like you said doesn't even have to be along for the ride they could just be in the background i'm sure that they are that's not yeah, very surprising like, to me you remember that episode of rebels in season one where it's like oh the ezra sees like some escort for a big political person and then it's like oh surprise 3po and r2 are there like i bet it's that level like yeah. oh okay they're around for a bit and then they go away Right, like you know, R two R two D two showing up with Luke at the end of Mandalorian. Sure, yeah, kind of like, like oh, obviously, yeah, yeah. It's like oh well, obviously he'd be with him. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not that surprising, but you did uh, kind of you know refer to the, the other rumor, and this is the this is the heavy hitter rumor, and I really want to spend some time and just sort of dissect this with you, Christian. Sure. Um, but there is a rumor that Princess Leia, uh, a ch- a young Princess Leia, child Princess Leia is going to be in the Obi-Wan series. Um, so it's said that child actress Vivian Lyra Blair 
is said to be playing young Princess Leia. Um, she's had a big few roles already. Um, she's been in Netflix's We Can Be Heroes and Bird Box. Um, I honestly don't not familiar with her, but um, I, you know, having being taking taking place ten years after Avengers of the Sith, that would put Leia as ten years old, mm-hmm. um, as well as Luke. Um, Cinelinks first reported this, um, and they also say interestingly, quote, the stuff dealing with Leia is pretty much the impetus for the whole show and what gets Obi-Wan into another adventure. Uh, so that's some pretty big news. Um, it sort of feels like the Mandalorian and Grogu are like, you know, <laughs> the Bad Batch and Omega, and now it might have might be like, you know, Obi-Wan and Leia in some way. Um, what do you think about this, Christian? You know, I'm not a huge fan of it until I remembered that... Leia's first response at the end of Rogue One is to contact Obi-Wan Kenobi. And and then it kind of made sense. I'm like, you know what, actually? Maybe this makes sense. Maybe this is fine. Because I I think at first, initial blush, right? It's like, Luke, I think, would have been a bit of a stretch and a little fan servicey. And I think Luke also Mm would have been that level of like, Obi-Wan went to Mos Eisley today, and oh, there's Owen Lars, and oh, look, there's a little kid next to him. Like, yeah, that's what I was expecting, but at least that would make sense, because they live within, like, a 50-mile radius of each other, right? Like, mm-hmm. that to me made sense. Leia, though, on Alderaan, like, I, I think maybe a bit of a stretch on the initial time I heard this rumor, right? But the more I think of it, the fact that Leia knows Obi-Wan is capable. I know she says, like, years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. So, like, she knows the stories of Obi-Wan. But I'm wondering, Mike, I have a theory now on what yeah. what the impetus is here. So, I think we know she's being cared for by Bail Organa, right? Jimmy Smith, we're going to probably see him again, which is awesome. Um... Yeah, of course. I'm sure we will. (laughs) I wonder if... It's interesting, because the rumor does say that she is the beginning of the whole journey to get him in on another adventure, right? I wonder if young Leia gets a Force vision. And then Bail Organa Mm. is like, I have no idea what's going on. This is a little scary. Who are you going to call? My friend the Jedi, (laughs) you know? And then maybe this yeah. is like just pilot. Like maybe she has a vision. Maybe it's something really important to Obi-Wan. They contact each other. He goes there, meets her, talks about it, force connection, and then he goes off to do a thing. That I think might be likely makes sense narratively in the timeline. And again, would be a way to handle this that I wouldn't feel is cheap. Because everything they've talked about with the show, everything Deborah Chow has talked about, I don't think they want it to feel cheap, and I don't think it will. But there's a risk there, I think. I don't know how you feel. I I think there is definitely a risk there. I think whenever you're dealing with a character that is already established, and you're going to sort of, like, create a pretty big new, like, interpretation of the character, um, I think you always run the risk of that. But Star Wars has a pretty good track record, I think, of calling back to things and have, making it work. Like, let's just look at the whole sequel trilogy, for instance. I mean, like, 
those are characters, um, you know, taken at a different points in their lives when it comes to the canon, and it worked. So I'm not saying that this can't work, but it definitely runs the risk. I like your theory about maybe she has a force vision. She definitely is force sensitive, so that would make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you were talking about Luke, uh, you know, Luke being, you know, on on this adventure, or maybe like the the catalyst for Obi Wan's adventure. I was thinking, yeah, it doesn't really make sense. Like, when we are introduced to Luke and Leia in A New Hope, um, you know, the whole point of Luke is that he's just been stuck on a farm for his whole life, and he has had no adventure whatsoever, and he's lived a pretty monotonous and boring life, and he wants to leave. Contrast that with his twin sister, Leia, who is literally, like, 19 years old and is a senator in, you know, (laughs) is, like, a a leading political figure. She obviously knows what's going on. She's, like, been involved since she was a kid. She was raised to be a princess. Like, she has a lot of different... She was raised differently than Luke, obviously. So, yeah, I think it would make sense in terms from, like, a story perspective that the catalyst for it you know if we were going to choose between leia and luke for being the catalyst for obi-wan's adventure it wouldn't really i just don't see any pathways for luke right like sure what what, what is he like what is he up to you know (laughs) do you think do you think that it because i don't imagine leia is going to be around for the whole time like grogu or omega was and i don't think luke would have been either but i feel like you could right away of like obi-wan's chilling and then an inquisitor shows up and tries to kill luke or something because like maybe somebody heard a rumor that about his lineage like i think there's a way you can make it make sense with luke but for sure i do think it makes way more sense with leia now that we're talking about it in terms of the plot yes physically it would make more sense to be with luke but if there's a jedi problem in bill organa's household i think he would call his jedi that he knows and it's probably not going to be yoda (laughs) so Right, and at the end of Revenge of the Sith, we do have that scene where it's uh, Obi-Wan, Bale, and Yoda, and they're kind of just, like, figuring out who's going to take what child, you mm-hmm. know, and, like, protect after them. So it's not like Obi-Wan is completely oblivious to the fact that, like, Luke has a sister, like, far from it. He's doing his job protecting Luke. If something, you know, if something strange were to start happening with Leia, whether it be, like, a Force vision or i don't know maybe she was like abducted or kidnapped or something like that i don't even know like it could really go in any sort of any direction it would make sense that obi-wan would feel that sort of responsibility um to to protect leia even though like he wasn't the one put in charge of her to begin with that was bail and brea organa like you know if like he said if bail organa came to his jedi friend and was like yo i need your help obi-wan would feel obligated to do so mm-hmm. so i mean i think it totally makes sense um but it's just you know how how it, how it's going to happen is 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 a question um you know like how if if leia is going to be this vehicle for obi-wan to get into this adventure how she plays a part in the plot is a question and i think we're gonna have to wait to see um, when it comes out but i like your theory like I said, I was listening to Star Wars Theory last night, actually, and he was talking uh, about, you know, maybe it's like a like a Grogu gets kidnapped, Leia gets kidnapped, and he's got to go, I don't know, something like that. 
Um, I guess it could go in any way. Mm. What do you What do you think about maybe uh, you know? Do you th- Do you think it would make sense that like Leo make it kidnapped or something like that? I just feel like it has a it has like a sort of same vibe as like Grogu or like o- o- Omega or something like that. And both of those characters get kidnapped in their I, respective yeah. journeys. I I think that makes sense with the type of story they're telling with Mando and bad batch because it's like those are mercenaries you know i think if you're telling a jedi story i think you want to have some jedi element and i do think it in my eyes i think it's much more likely that this an obi-wan problem has to be a jedi problem and i do think leia does have a tie to the force and the lineage of the skywalkers enough that one yoda thought she was going to be a good alternative and two would make sense that like in her adolescence she has like this surge of force capabilities the way that maybe anakin did when he was younger and there needs to be an explanation behind it and i i I think it would make enough sense that i think they could do a kidnapping route but at that point i feel like bail could hire literally any bounty hunter you know yeah yeah so no, you're right. I, I, I mean, I was just kind of thinking about, you know, the possible ways that they could make this work. And like you said, I think I think you're definitely right when it when you come to the fact that like Leia is force sensitive and yeah, it has to be some it's got to be connected to the force in some way. Um, yeah, like I guess we're just going to have to see. Yeah, I don't know what her vision no, would entail. I don't know if it's going to be like, hey, there's this other Jedi that's in help and they're calling out in the force and I heard her or something like you have to go help her because vader's hunting her i don't know if that's the angle they go with it or if she's like i have a vision about my mother or if i have a vision about xyz like i don't know but i do think it's something that will be set up in the first episode obi-wan will be like this is important enough for the force the jedi and myself that i have to go take care of this and then that's the show well, that's the thing. I feel like it would have to have that that weight, right? Like, yeah. it ha- it'd have to be something like, like only Obi Wan can fix this. You know what I mean? And, like, he has to fix this because if it were like, Obi Wan's got to sort of like weigh his, weigh his pros and cons here. If it was like a a Jedi that was being hunted by Darth Vader, like, is that really worth it for him to like sacrifice him, like, to potentially sacrifice himself and Luke and Leia to go to go like save one Jedi? Like it might not be right, so I guess we're we're gonna have to see the sort of you know, maybe there's a line that like Obi Wan has trouble crossing or something like that. Sure. Um, I don't know. Interesting stuff all around. I'm excited for this for this series. There's a lot of stuff to be excited for, oh, yeah. um, and I can't wait. Uh, they've they've been they've been filming this thing, and I just want to see some of it. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get a teaser by December. I hope so. I hope so. Um, so moving on from that, uh, we have some Mandalorian rumors to talk about. Uh, so I saw this on Dork Side of the Force. Um, so there's been some rumors that Mandalorian Season 3 is going to be dropping in spring 2022. Um, and this comes from Dork Side of the Force, like I said, on the site Edelweiss, uh, which is a trade site for books and publishers. There's a planned young reader's book called The Mandalorian Boba Fett Returns, and it included a potential release date in the selling points. Uh, The site said, The Book of Boba Fett premieres on Disney Plus December 2021. 
and then goes on to mention season three of the mandalorian premieres on disney plus spring 2022 i looked on the website and you can't see it anymore um so i'm not sure if they took it off um but it is very curious um it looks like a pretty legit like trade site um and if this was true if this actually did say that 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 is very interesting because we haven't heard anything about season three of the mandalorian yet um so i know that kind of misses their initial hope of getting season three out there by christmas um that seems increasingly unlikely mm-hmm. just of what we've talked about here on the show right. um but spring 2022 that's that's promising i think yeah i i think because you know we've heard we've heard rumors about mando season two sorry season three hitting within the next 12 months we've heard we've heard those rumors a bit we've talked about them a bit in previous episodes but yeah to me in conjunction with the next thing we're going to talk about if this really is true this tells me that din Djarin is maybe not gonna have the character arc we thought he was gonna have for season three if uh-huh. he's gonna be mask on the whole time because pedro is shooting the last of us for the next year and a half yeah so um yeah i guess we could talk about the next rumor um so there's been some rumors also flying around the internet that mando season three is either about to start filming or that it already has um according to bestman bolton katie sackoff who plays bo-katan Kreese, posted a video on her instagram account where she said that she needed to get a covid19 test so she can go back to work and then she sarcastically says what could it be on Mm-hmm. Um, so people are that leads people to believe that she might be working on Mandalorian season three. It certainly would make a lot of sense because at the end of season two, her character is very, uh, you know, much entwined with, um, you know, Mandalorian and Din Djarin. Um, but like you said, it is curious because Pedro Pascal is currently filming The Last of Us for HBO. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's increasingly. I think it's likely that we'll see this sometime early uh, next year. It's just weird that we haven't heard anything solid come from Disney Lucasfilm on, you know, them filming or, or getting getting to work on this. Yeah, I, I think that's very curious. Um, I'm wondering, like I teased, maybe season two leaves off in a place where he's very vulnerable. He has a new character path open for him and mask is off maybe he's abandoning the ways of this cult but if he's not there mask gotta be on is it gonna be a lot of action scenes is he gonna be front and center i imagine he would be because he's kind of the driving force of the show so far if grogu's gone especially like is it is he gonna just go harder on his old ways because he's feeling loss of his son and he wants to just like bury himself in his work i don't know like what's gonna happen with din Djarin? uh probably not what i thought it was gonna happen but yeah i i mean it just seems hard to like tell those stories that we were thinking they might tell you know because like you like you mentioned din Djarin at the end of season two is like very much seems like he's kind of cat like throwing or not throwing away but pushing aside like his own uh like dogmatic view of being a mandalorian um and yeah pedro pascal like literally physically cannot make it on set to film they can't like they can't like change the actor you know (laughs) like 
Din Djarin's going to have to be wearing his damn helmet. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know where this is going to lead. Do you think? I'm thinking that it might. They might just double down on like, yeah, forget about all the personal character development that Din Djarin had. But what about the dark saber? You know, <laughs> like, I'm thinking. I'm thinking that they might just like try to like, I don't know, push that aside and just like focus, go full on. Uh, on the dark saber conflict between Bokentin and the Denton Jarn. What do you think? I mean, maybe I think that's possible. Uh, if it eventually gets to a point where it's like, I don't know, spy versus spy, and they both are always geared up because they could be assassinated at any moment or something. Like, I don't know, but yeah, uh, yeah I, I think there's an easy way you can write around it, I think, and hopefully still get some character growth out of him. Um, where for the few times you're able to shoot with pedro pascal like maybe you get him for two days and he can just shoot all of his mask off scenes then but it is definitely tight for a march not march sorry spring 2022 release but yeah i i'm eagerly anticipating some official announcement about season three mandalorian and i have been for a while but even more so the past couple of weeks i really would like to hear some press release what's going on with this show right now i think i think our answer our, our, our questions will soon be answered i'd say i'd say that if we don't hear anything within the next like few weeks that's cause for concern um i don't think this show's coming out this year that's just i don't think that's happening i think that's pretty obvious um i could be wrong i don't know but i just don't think that's happening um but hopefully disney sometime soon at least confirms that this is being filmed or you know says hey we're starting to film this next week or something like that um because it's just been the lack of the lack of news is questionable kind of gets me worried so we'll see yeah and I, it doesn't even have to be a lot because book of boba fett is about to kick off marketing within the next two months probably so you don't want to overshadow that with tons of mando stuff but like just literally just some like picture from john favreau of a black and white photo of a set that just says season three or something like it's like okay well now we know it's gonna probably come out sometime within the next eight months so any 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 official thing (laughs) yeah it doesn't have to be it doesn't even it doesn't even have to be that it could just literally be like like you know a confirmation to a journalist asking would be nice sure right? yeah like just just like yep that's happening and then we could just run with that um so hopefully we hear something from that soon um if at the very least we'll be seeing the book of boba fett so big hype for that oh yeah uh so that's it for rumors and news like i said it was a big big rumor week uh hopefully we have some clarifying comments on some of this stuff in the weeks coming ahead but um i think it's time to switch to the review for this episode of jedi knights we're going to be talking about the bad batch season one episode 12 rescue on ryloth this was released uh on friday and christian we're getting uh, another installment in the adventures that the bad batch are having on good old ryloth with the Sindulas and hera and in this episode, basically the Bad Batch end up going back to Ryloth to rescue Hera's parents. Um, so big picture, macro lens. Christian, what did you think about this episode? Uh, it is, once again, it was solid. 
you know i i think i i feel like with most of bad batch outside of some of the early episodes i and i feel like i'm a broken record at this point i'm just enjoying watching a star wars thing because i think the show's fine you know and i think this week again it had some of my stuff that i really like about the bad batch where they just as a team they talk and they're like hey what are our options like really that is my favorite element of this team because i feel like in star wars a lot of the time we don't get the big team meeting what are what is our plan here you know like i know we have the mission briefing in the original trilogy a few times but that's not the same thing like this is very much more personal like if we disagree maybe it might cause tension in the team like we're still trying to figure out our place here so anytime the crew is actually dealing with one another on a like brotherly and as well like strategic planning level i'm interested but if i'm being completely honest i'm very surprised that we're spending more time with ryloth <laughs> i thought we were probably going to dip out but um overall again solid episode i think it's another uh instance of the show feeling more like rebels in a clone wars style which i'm cool with but yeah, yeah. it was solid what, what, what about you I agree. Um, like you said, you feel like you're a broken record every week, but I agree. I, I, I definitely, uh, le- le- like I've said previous weeks, um, I've agreed with you. It's just fun watching Star Wars. Um, these do seem very inconsequential. Um, it is interesting to sort of get a little bit more background on the character of Harrison Dula and the Sindula clan and Ryloth um, in general, but um, it just seems sort of like, you know, adventure of the week style which is not a bad thing um it's just not exactly what i thought the show would be um i'm really i really wanted to see more conflict between you know the bad batch and crosshair but it seems like at least in the past few episodes they kind of like get tangled up with each other in these like proxy conflicts like they're not actually going after each other they just happen to be in the same place at the same time um and that's sort of the feel that we get with ryloth um between the bad batch and crosshair um you know it was fine. I, 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 you know, I, it, it seems sort of just like the other episodes that we've been watching. I feel like there have been a lot of like rescue missions in this season. So, um, you know, the Bad Batch going in, um, taking out, uh, you know, the, the Imperial refinery on Ryloth and rescuing the Sindulas is pretty standard stuff. Um, but not to say that. You know, we did get some interesting moments with Omega in the Bad Batch. Um, I thought it was interesting that, you know, Hunter was acting very strategically on whether or not to help the Sindulas. And, uh, you know, Omega sort of, like, helped him see... Yeah, I, I, I don't know, sort of, like, helped him figure out, like, what his where his priorities li- uh, lie and, you know, like, helping people out. And so that was interesting, good characterization on Omega and Hunter. Um, but overall, you know, it was just a run-of-the-mill standard episode, I think. Yeah, like, I do like it when Omega feels like she has more of a say in the group, because I think that's an interesting thing to throw in there, where for so long, we don't know the exact history of this team or their dynamic, but for so long they operated the same way, and now they're in a new era, and they have a little sister, essentially, and she has this really 
wise insight a lot of the time because of her history and who she is but there is still like a you know an innocence there that can get her caught up in uh Fakshand and other bounty hunters business but um i i like yeah. it when they respect her enough to let her voice be heard and have a say on their plans because i think that's interesting for this crew of mercenaries essentially to be listening to the conscience of a child i think that's an interesting concept again sort of building off that mandalorian thing but in the case of the bad batch they really have no answers and i do like because they're like hey we don't know what to really do right now so why not listen to the yeah. kid i think that's an interesting thing we don't see a lot of that in star wars uh but again i think it feels like week to week they don't do much more than that so far which they don't need to but it's something i'd like to see more of i guess because mike we have four episodes left do you feel like we have four episodes left no i don't even really know where the main story is going i don't really, I honestly don't even know if there is a main story <laughs> like it just it just seems sort of dis disconnected and discombobulated to me at least mm -hmm. yeah and i'm curious to talk about this once the show's wrapped up but I wonder what the future is for this show and these characters. I don't know if this is a one-off or if they're going to set up a future where we pick up with Omega in Book of Boba Fett and then never talk about Hunter and Wrecker again. Like, I don't know where we're going with this show because it feels like it could be any of the options that we could think of right now, you know? Yeah, it just feels like... It doesn't feel like... A, you know, it feels like they're not really taking... It feels like they're taking their time with the show. Um, so that kind of gives me, it sort of makes me feel like that there is going to be multiple seasons of this um, I hope. that we're kind of just seeing the beginning. I hope so too. I think it's a really great show. Um, but yeah, I don't think it's going to be a one-off thing just because they seem really slow. It seems really slow and taking its time. And that's sort of the feeling that I got from Rebels at least. A lot of those episodes were kind of slow, taking their time, building up slowly. Um, and so that's why I would expect that The Bad Batch would have multiple seasons um but you know like i said earlier it doesn't really feel like there is a main story right now um I, I don't know if you feel similarly um i just like i'm having a hard time connecting the dots i don't think there are really many dots to connect it just yeah. seems like you know it's just like small little vignettes of what's happening with the bad batch um yeah with the loose connection of crosshair yeah and i i think another maybe downside in a way because because there's no real connective tissue beyond that relationship that isn't fully explored in every episode i think there is a slight downside to like what character that we all love is going to show up this week you know and then that kind of takes out some of their time to explore that relationship that family dynamic they have which is my favorite part of the yeah. show even though it's cool to see Hera and explore her history and her family, like, okay, but she's not going to be part of this crew for the rest of the season, you know? Like, yep. I think it's different than Mandalorian going into stuff with Bo-Katan or Koska Reeves, right? Like, anything with them is different because they're consequential to the finale and where we're building with that story.
here it's like it doesn't feel like the bad batch are being impacted by these supporting characters it feels like the bad batch are the supporting characters for the characters we all know if that makes sense oh totally yeah i would i would say that that's definitely true um yeah it seems like if there isn't if there isn't a character that they're going to bring from a previous star wars piece of media like hera um then they're gonna just like you know create a new one which is like you know fennec basically um and it seems like they keep like you said it seems like they keep getting distracted or the writers get distracted with this new character and they they, like you said have less time to talk about the connections and the relationships between bad batch omega and crosshair sure and Um, like i'd really love if we explore fennec more like that was yeah. a big thing I was excited for, and I've liked the episode she's been in, but same with the Bad Batch. I feel like there's a tendency to get overshadowed a little bit, which is fine. It's just not what I want the most to see here. Yeah, and then also there's this element of, like, I'm watching the show, and I'm like, who should I be, like, really focusing on, right? Like, yeah, there's, like, all this stuff happening with Omega, but, like, sometimes they don't even talk about that, and they talk about, like you know crosshair (laughs) and like it just seems all over the place to me um and it's hard to like sort of keep track of um and like even some stuff that they had brought up previously uh all the stuff with the the kaminoans um just like seems like they haven't when was the last time we were on camino like episode four or something like i don't know (laughs) um it just seems like all discombobulated but i don't know one thing i did want to just mention one thing I wanted to mention, unless you have something else to say about that. No, I I, I agree fully. Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention was the uh, seeming clone rebellion that happened in this episode. Um, Hauser, you know, one of the clone captains, basically helps the Sindulas and the Bad Batch. He recognizes, uh, through his own free will, it seems, that the, what the Empire is doing is wrong. And he helps, you know, he helps the Bad Batch and the Sindulas escape the Empire. Um, and then he basically gets all of his comrades to, like, lay down their arms. All of his clone comrades to lay down their arms against the Empire. And it's quite the scene because, as we know, the clones uh, have an inhibitor chip that basically controls their mind. Um, and we would assume that Hauser and his clones also have this. But... For some reason, they were able to break through that and 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 not do what the Empire told them to do. Um, so I thought that was really interesting. It makes me wonder: Do you think these inhibitor chips are starting to like lose their efficacy over time, or something like that? Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts? I'm wondering if it's about deterioration. Like, I wonder if the Empire didn't expect the lifespan of most clones to exceed a certain point, and I wonder if these clones might be living longer because the war is over technically they're still in some combat but like nowhere near as much so statistically they will be living longer and i wonder if these inhibitor chips have a lifespan an expiration date and just because the war is over and there is no mass eradication of the clones like some of them could slip through that's where my head went to so I think that could be interesting if that's like where we go with the final few episodes. Like, imagine the the final arc of this season, the last four episodes, is some deterioration arc. 
about the the chips and then the bad batch rallying some troops and then having like another sort of self-contained civil war maybe would be interesting yeah i mean i think i think there's that and then there's also the uh, the thought that we know that the clones have feelings um they, they're people um and they have basically their own thoughts and they can make their own choices part of me th is thinking you know does the inhibitor chip like you know the inhibitor chip basically force them to uh you know follow order six but does it kind of just like stop there like they could still recognize maybe like through their own morality that they are what they're doing is wrong um you know i understand the whole like good soldiers follow orders that in that kind of thing um but part of me is thinking like maybe the inhibitor chips was were only meant for that one moment basically the one order 66 moment and over time you know the clones can sort of just like move past that on their own um and maybe that's why we don't see as many clones like in the original trilogy uh, we don't see any clones at all actually so um i don't know it's just an interesting thing to think about either they're able to break through it with their own personal free will or the inhibitor chips are deteriorating i guess it sort of ends up with the fact that like we don't know exactly like what the inhibitor chip does you know like yeah like i don't know <laughs> i mean inhibitor means it's stopping something so maybe it's just like stopping their cerebral part of their brain that feels sympathy for a bit i don't know like i don't know <laughs> but yeah it's, it's very it's, interesting it's i hope it's definitely something to think about yeah i hope they follow up on this in the final few episodes i think it would be an interesting uh note to end the season on considering where we start with the inhibitor chips and that whole conflict between uh crosshair and hunter on like what's actually right in that scenario i think ending the show for this season sort of coming back to that idea on a grander scale and the bad batch has to sort of lead that maybe could be really interesting um i don't know if that's where we're going that's just a pure hunch and hope but um yeah we'll, we'll see i do you think these final four episodes are gonna have an arc to them or do you expect that it's gonna be like three one-offs and then the the big episode it has a tease for season two I would say I would say one. I, I want to take back what I said about the inhibitor chips. I mean, we know that they sort of like inhibit. You know, they they, they make the the, the the clones sort of obey different protocols. So maybe it's just deteriorating, or maybe you know they they're able to sort of break past that on their own. But going back to what you said, I think there is going to be you know an arc to the last four seasons. I think that we've sort of started to feel see a little bit of a breakage, maybe in Crosshair too um i i don't know i just think that there has been a lot of discussion in the bad batch about these inhibitor chips um we've we've seen um you know like hauser and all the clones sort of fall um, i'm wondering what the big jet blast that crosshair had to deal with i, don't, I wonder if that affected his inhibitor chip at all um i think that we're going to get answers to this and i think that we're going to start to see some semblance of like you know putting a bookend onto at least this season i wouldn't be surprised if like crosshair they, they like maybe they turn crosshair by the end of the season or something like that mm -hmm. um that's a possibility i don't know <laughs> yeah i think we that could also be a 
like a sensible way to wrap up the first season right um or maybe he sacrifices himself for the team in a way to like help them get out of a situation like i could see something like that be the final note of the season but i do expect i mean i i hope that the next four at minimum three episodes is a self-contained story sort of how the first like two episodes were agreed so agreed um well we have four episodes left and we'll be covering them here on jedi nights um but i think that kind of you know wraps up the discussion that we're having about rescue on ryloth christian is there anything else that you want to add no i think we touched on all of it uh interested to see where this story goes um before we wrap up ea plays this week and they've there's no star wars games they said it there's none so right i forgot to say that um big disappointment um i was hoping to see something but i guess not yep so no worries you're not going to miss out on anything this week but um yeah that's everything all right man well uh why don't you take us out to see you always do you're always so good at it sounds good mike where can everybody find you Follow me on Twitter at Mike P. Connors. Very nice. You can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, TikTok at Chun2D2, as well as here, youtube.com slash joyclicks on Jedi Knights. The playlist for the video version of the podcast is available on the channel, alongside the playlists for all of our podcasts like Excelsior, Gamescast, and the others. If you want to get the audio version of the show, you can look up Jedi Knights with no K on podcast service of your choosing. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever you want. If you can rate a review on your given platform, it would be appreciated if you did because it takes a quick second and helps us grow. We appreciate it very, very much. And um, if you want to get involved even further, patreon.com slash joyclicks at the $1 and $5 tiers. $5 tier will get you producer credit on this show and every show, like Chris Sakas, Aaron Easton, and Charles Applin. So thank you very much. And I believe that is it for episode 90 of Jedi Knights. Uh, Mike, it's a pleasure as always. L- love, yes, sir. Love flying the ship with you. It's fun. <laughs> always flying the ship. Hell yeah! But uh, until next week, we're fine. Everything's fine. How are you? May the force be with you. Oh yes, yes, yes. You're right. Beep is up.